0: So while the uh, other gospel writers, they touched on portion of Jesus' sermons, and you can find snippets of the sayings of Christ throughout the gospels and somewhat in the epistles as well, all the way into the book of Revelation. We have no greater length of serving given to us than what is found there in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. We've already looked Uh, almost a month ago now before family camp and all the stuff that's been going on uh, we've already looked at the beginning of the sermon and the Beatitudes verses 1 through 12 and today we pick up in verse 13 in a sermon that I titled salt light and the law and so here Jesus is moving through really a number of topics teaching faithful people people who are desiring to seek god of the day that christ walked upon this earth and to this day still teaching us in various topics moving from the beatitudes that we already shared about but moving on to teach people as believers in jesus christ how we should conduct ourselves as followers of god and as jesus continues to address Uh, The importance of our relationship with God. He also deals with the importance of our relationship with others as well. He teaches his followers how they should properly pray and how they should fast, how they should lay up their treasures in heaven. How to trust in God and not to judge others. That's something that quite often we may have a difficulty in doing, not judging others. And sometimes even trusting in God and his provision for our lives. When in prayer to God, Jesus' followers must learn to seek to ask and to knock and we are to walk the narrow path we're to live fruitful lives for god's glory we're to learn to build our house on the firm foundation of the rock jesus christ these are some of the things that the lord addressed here in the sermon on the mount today as i said we're going to look at what i titled salt light and the law here in matthew chapter 5 verses uh, 13 Through 26, and I broke it into three points verses 13 through 16 salt and light, 17 through 20, not one jot or tittle, and 21 through 26, be reconciled with God and others. And we are On lesson 23 of our chronological journey through the Gospels, and for a little while we're going to be right here in the Gospel of Matthew looking at the Sermon on the Mount, but once we get through this sermon we'll be picking up in all of the Gospels again, kind of bringing together, meshing together the four Gospels and finding the flow of the Gospels as presented to us by the various Gospel writers as they teach us about the life and ministry of christ i believe this is an exciting adventure through the gospels for us and we can learn much how we ought to walk and to please god in our day and age today so we begin in verses 13 through 16 matthew chapter 5 i'll read the context it begins by saying you are the salt of the earth but if salt loses its flavor And glorify your Father in heaven. So we are under salt and light. Verse thirteen. Jesus reminds us to be salty saints. Now, when I say that, I immediately uh, think of a pirate for whatever reason. You know, our matey, we're to be salty saints for the Lord. I just get this picture of someone that maybe rubs you a little the wrong way. Has anybody ever got salt in a wound you didn't even know that you had a wound until you got salt in that wound or it reminded you oh yeah I had a cut there and uh, it used to be that they would say that salt is good for healing I was actually looking that up today and they were saying yeah don't do that don't cause more irritation to something that's already irritated you're just putting trouble upon trouble there but think about salt in itself Jesus specifically pinpoints the flavoring aspect of salt that it is something that flavors or seasons and what do we do when we cook all the time it, it's you know the question isn't is there enough oregano is there enough basil it's always is there enough salt is there enough salt it flavors our food and uh, sometimes this week getting a meal ready and and I instantly started salting and Lily reminded me that I hadn't even tasted it yet so I didn't know if there was too much I mean she could have maybe she knew that she accidentally when it said a teaspoon she put in a tablespoon of salt and she already knew it was too salty I don't know if that was the idea of that but salt adds flavor to the food, but it also preserves. And this is something that really uh, pinpointed me in my heart this week, as I was thinking about this message, because I think as Christians we like the adding flavor to our culture. We like the idea of that, as Christians in Jesus Christ, that we have added flavor to our culture, to our country, but. I think as the church of Jesus Christ here in the United States, that we have been losing our preserving influence within our culture, that we have not been engaging and actually have been disengaging so much so within our culture that we are on the losing side of being that preserving influence within our culture. And whether seeking to add flavor or to preserve, as Christians, before we can preserve or flavor this world, we must first be seasoned with Christ. It begins by faith in Jesus Christ, coming into faith in Jesus Christ, giving our heart to the Lord. And knowing that Jesus Christ, though, as Christians, we can uh, lose that saltiness, we can lose that... Lights, Our light can be dimmed, but Christ never loses his essence. He always has that preserving influence and can always be that preserving influence in our lives and in our world. The word of God tells us in Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one seasoned with salt i didn't put this in my notes but it reminded me as we're going through the book of leviticus on wednesday evenings that in every sacrifice that was given there on the altar to the lord salt was always to be part of the sacrifice in fact when king cyrus sent israel back to rebuild the temple and he gave them uh the materials needed For the worship there at the temple, he said, salt without measure, just as much salt as they want, send it to them there in Jerusalem. Our speech is to always be with grace, but also seasoned with salt. And think about that. Let's go back to the assault in the wound thing. We get into our culture, we get into our world, we present the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it might be like rubbing salt in somebody's wound. It might be that it's piercing their heart with truth, and they don't like it. It irritates, and they want nothing more than just to wash it away and to get away. But I think we need to somewhat be that irritating influence in our world today, that as the church we have not been irritating enough now I know I know that sounds kind of weird and I know some Christians who um, in how they do ministry to me they're way too irritating Um, they rub me the wrong way in how they come off I think they're missing sometimes that aspect of the let your speech always be with grace they lose the grace they have the salt without measure they like to irritate they lose the grace and uh, they just end up wounding and hurting people but to have the grace and the salt balanced together that it's an irritant enough that brings healing I still remember and I gave this counsel to Dave in leading worship had a sore throat I said uh, in preparation to that gargle with warm salt water it was what my doctor when I was sick as a child instructed my mom to have me to do to help bring healing I had swollen tonsils still have my tonsils um, to this day but it was really bad for a season my mom didn't want the tonsils pulled out until after school once I got out of school I was fine so I still have them there (laughs) but uh, gargle with warm salt water it was something I did throughout the day to help bring and promote healing now science might say that doesn't work I don't know. I've been practicing that for a long time. I think if you have the right balance of anything, it can work. And the right balance of grace with salt can work. We need to be that preserving influence in our world. There are some people that try to imagine this world without religion, without no God, no heaven, no hell. John Lennon wrote a song with those words in it. But I would hate to imagine our world without the preserving and flavoring influence of the work of Christ through his church in this world, not only working in our lives, but through our lives to the lives of others. We are to be salty saints. We're also to be bright saints. We're to be light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He did not say you should be. Light to this world. He already said you are light. Now, if you're a professing believer in Jesus Christ, people know you love Jesus, then you are a light. Now, the question is, how effectively is your light shining toward others in this world? He goes on to talk about a city that's set on a hill, cannot be hidden. You get the right night sky here. In uh, northern Lake County, you can see Chicago glowing to the southeast of us here. You get the right conditions. You can see those lights lighting up. That's why they say that if you want to really see the stars, you need to get away from the lights of the city. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You don't light a lamp. And stick it under a basket. And you put it on a lampstand to give light to the house. And we are to be such a light. Verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The purpose of our light shining is not to attract attention to ourselves, but to attract attention to God. That they may see your good works. They see what we're doing but they glorify God for the work that we are doing. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. A light and a lamp, a light and a lamp. I see a difference between the two words that David chose Well, Psalm 119 isn't accredited to David, but the psalmist chose to use here to speak about God's word being both a lamp and a light. And when we had family camp a few weeks ago, we had some lamps out there, but they weren't necessarily lights. What's the difference? They're both light, right? But a lamp isn't that bright. And I believe that's why the psalmist said, you're a lamp to my feet, so if you're at family camp and you have a flashlight and they have some great flashlights and lamps today Uh, but let's take it back just a few years take it back to the biblical times and think about going from one place to another at night with merely a lamp what are you going to do when you're out in the dark with no physical lights around you other than the moon and the stars you have the lamp it's a lamp to your feet when I'm walking at night like that I tend to uh, keep a little more watch on what my feet and the path right in front of me because pretty much that's all you can see is that which is right before you yesterday Lily and I were out on a rather lengthy motorcycle ride and it was light out and so I i I tell everybody I think I'm a safer motorcycle rider, driver, than I am when I'm in a car. If you want to be safe when you're around me, be near me when I'm on a motorcycle, because I'm attentive, like I'm watching everything. I'm not, I don't fiddle with a radio, a phone, uh, the heat, we don't have any, we don't have a radio, we don't have a phone, none of that to distract me. Um, the most i get is lily and i kind of like leaning back she's leaning forward i lean back and we tend to talk to one another it's amazing that we can hear one another um, while we're on the bike doing fast speeds it was really windy yesterday so you had the wind in there too but i'm very attentive but i did hit this pothole because i wasn't watching directly in front of me And our response for both of us was, "Ow! it hit hard Um, because I didn't see the path directly before me. That lamp, when you're walking at night, you're looking at your feet right before you. You're being very attentive. And I think sometimes in this life when we're spiritually going through issues in our life, we have the lamp of God's word. And we're being very attentive to the path that directly before us because we're looking for God's guidance, We're not wanting to trip up. Perhaps we've already tripped a few times. Um, Perhaps there are serious issues going on in our lives and the need is great. And so we have the lamp of God's word. We're very attentive to what's directly in front of us, helping us that we might walk thereby. And then you have the lamp the light itself different than the lamp the light itself is that much brighter it's like the light of day where you don't necessarily keep your eye on the path directly in front of you or though you are watching but you're also able to take in things at far distance or over to your right or over to your left you're still walking by the faith of god's word but it's not as near in the sense of it's right directly before you as a lamp unto my feet. But it's a light to where you're looking forward to seeing what the Lord would have for you in the light of day. How you might serve him in a better way. And in this way, Jesus is to be our lamp and our light in all the different occasions of the world. Jesus said in John 8:12, he spoke to them again saying... I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus said, I am the light. But he also called us in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. One thing we know about light is that it displaces darkness. All you have to do is to test that out and go into a dark room and Flip on a light switch that you might clearly see. As believers in Jesus Christ, as lights in this world, Christ Jesus displaces the darkness of sin in our own lives, but we're also to shine in the light of Christ in the darkness of this world. Yet we are not to shine our light to bring attention to ourselves, but that we might glorify our Father in heaven. Proverbs 4.18 says, the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The path of the righteous, the path of the just shining ever brighter speaks about as we continually draw closer to the Lord, then we should be greater witnesses, greater light, a greater salt of influence in our world bring greater flavor bring greater preserving influence in this world and it may be that we would strive to be those salty and bright Saints that we might bring others to Jesus church I honestly believe that the church has went so quiet that we have lost our preserving influence in this world and we need to regain it. And we can only do it by the spirit and the grace of God upon our lives. So Jesus goes on to say, not one jot or tittle. And we'll explain the meaning of those in a moment. But reading the context of the passage, picking up in verses 17 through 20, do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven for i say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and pharisees you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven so jesus begins by saying don't think that i've come to destroy the law and the prophets what was he saying basically jesus was saying to the listeners that day don't think that i've de- come to destroy all that we call the Old Testament today I didn't come to destroy this but to fulfill it we have to remember that in the first century church the only Bible that they had there in the beginning was the Old Testament that is all that they had (coughs) I agree So last year, when I came back from being sick, I was like, don't cough. (laughs) And I made it. I shouldn't have tried singing today. So I'm going to do what I don't like to do and put a cough drop in my mouth. It tends to make me smack a little more. (laughs) But if it can stop this coughing, that would be good. So a jot. This is referring to the Hebrew letters, both the jot and the tittle. The jot is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It almost to us looks like an apostrophe. So if it's written out, it's written above the line, slightly above the line in the sense that to us (coughs) it looks like that apostrophe. And it is related to, uh, we would say the phrase, not one iota. You know, that is related to the jot. It's the Hebrew word yod. The tittle is the difference. And this is something that um, you have to notice between. It's a slight difference in the writing. A great example is found in the Hebrew letters resh and delet. Resh and delet. Uh, The resh is written in one stroke of a pen so you don't pick up your pen and it looks like a backwards r to us when i took hebrew that was the only letter i could easily recognize in the hebrew alphabet because why it looks like a backward r and it represents r they kind of connect to each other just flip it around and you have the r though the delet. Um It is actually written in two strokes of the pen. And if you can see on the screen up there for you, that it almost looks like a rash, but that little knob that's on the back side of the letter is called the tittle. And so it's made in two strokes of the pen, and you have the line going across and the line going down, and you have this little knob on the corner. That is the tittle. So the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet and that tittle which is just a slight variance in the writing of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet Jesus said that all the law will be fulfilled even the jot and the tittle that God's fulfilling of the Word of God do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets No, I didn't come to destroy but to fulfill to the smallest Detail to the smallest detail. The Word of God tells us in John ten thirty five that Scripture cannot be broken, and it speaks about the infall- infallibility of the Word of God that all would be fulfilled. In Second Peter one verses 20 and 21 it says knowing this that no prophet of Scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit so people to this day they look at the Word of God they look at the Bible they say that is just the writings and thoughts Of various men throughout the ages combining together to help give guidance to people um, as they evolved in this world they would use the word evolved I don't use the word evolved people think and view the Bible as something as a crutch for those who are weak they need a crutch to lead upon well apparently I'm weak because I need such a crutch in my life but I don't view it as a crutch. I view it as God's truth. And from beginning and end, it is the word of God. All scripture has been given by God for the use. In Jesus's day, the religious rulers, they would search the scripture. You realize I'm slowly trying to keep things from not breaking out here but only a point and a half to go John five thirty nine. you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life these are they that testify of me so once again when they searched the scripture it was the Old Testament portion of the Bible in them you think you have eternal life but Jesus said it testifies of me in the Bible, we have, in the Old Testament, 330 prophecies that foretold of Jesus' first coming. And in his first coming, all of these prophecies have been fulfilled. In fact, throughout the Bible, now with the addition of the Gospels, and the Epistles, the Book of Acts, the Book of Revelation, we have even a greater picture of Christ, but also we have... Even speaking of Jesus' second coming, some 500 prophecies that are necessary to be fulfilled before the coming of Jesus Christ the second time, and all will be fulfilled. Don Stewart said in his book, A Case for Christianity, the message of the entire Bible is about Jesus the Old Testament looked forward to his coming the Gospels record his appearance the book of Acts relates the propagation of his message the New Testament letters explains his two comings and finally the book of Revelation reveals all things consummated in Christ the entire Bible is about Jesus of all the prophecies of jesus's first coming that have been fulfilled and the prophecies of jesus's second coming some having already been fulfilled others waiting to be fulfilled all these speak of jesus christ through the law and the prophets and now we can add the new testament to that as well we have that which speaks about the ministry and the work of jesus christ and how he works in our lives in these last days And according to the word of God, all will be fulfilled. So he goes on in verse 19, whoever therefore breaks the least of one of these commandments and teaches men to do so. As I was reading this, and this could be a mute point for you, but it's something that I consider and think about. Over the last (coughs) 15, 20 years, it's become very hip in a lot of the... uh, Emergent churches they don't like to use that name anymore, but uh, Though they may not use the title anymore churches still are kind of going after that in many ways one of the things that had become hip in the emergent churches was that it's cool to drink and uh, We had one person on a ministry team in Lake County a parachurch ministry in Lake County that I was involved with on the board for a number of years And I told the executive director that one of our uh, full-time staff members on their Facebook page, I said, do you realize he posts more about beer than he does about Jesus? And uh, so the executive director had a talk to this young man and got him to change his postings. Um, If I was to think anything, he was a follower of the most craft beer that's out there than he was of Jesus Christ. But I say this because one of the fellowships in Lake County, it became hip to drink. And so uh, the pastor in this fellowship taught that it's okay. If you guys want to drink, go ahead and drink. And someone within that fellowship that never drank in his life became an alcoholic because his pastor said, it's hip to drink. So go ahead and do it so what am i saying with this i'm not saying that drinking is breaking at least of the commandment but i am warning us how we teach others how we ought to walk and conduct ourselves in the sight of god for me i don't drink i never have since i was a teenager and man i could count it on that one hand the number of times um i just stayed away from it and then as a follower of jesus christ more so i stayed away from it and i think for me it's sin to drink It may not be sin to drink for you, but for me as a pastor, I view it in that way. And I will not teach you that it's okay to drink because I don't know what that could lead for. I would say better to be filled with the Holy Spirit than be filled with wine or alcohol or dispensation, as the Apostle Paul would say. So we need to be careful of how we teach. There are gray areas in the scripture there are commandments that are very black and white we need to be careful how we teach these things some of the black and white areas of the scripture are they're very clear that um, god created male and female that's black and white area in the church today it's not so black and white in several of our churches today in many churches they're not even sure what a female or male is today That marriage should be between a man and a woman and that it should be between one man and one woman very clear very black and white in Scripture again in many of our churches today that's even questioned uh, whether a marriage can be between a man and a woman a woman and a woman a male and a male and a variety of things but Scripture is black and white in these areas and so When it's black and white, we need to maintain the black and white position. It will not be popular in our world. It will be like putting salt in a wound. But be salty, saints, and rough it up a little bit because people need to hear the truth. Our youth need to hear the truth of what the Word of God says. Deuteronomy 1232 says, whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. Do not add to it or take away from it. And so always be cautious and consider in our conduct and the things we do and the things we might teach and realize that by the things you do, you are a teacher, whether you're using words or not. How am I teaching others? And is it following with the word of God? We need to be careful in those ways. Although these things and living according to the word of God and being very fundamental in our faith may not make us great, great in the kingdoms of this world. And the Lord Jesus said, those who teach and do you will be great in the kingdom of heaven. So maybe you just simply want to be great in the kingdom of Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or TikTok. I don't know. Maybe that's how many followers you have. That's what you want to know. I can tell you when you stand before the Lord, those things will not matter. But what will matter is how we are viewed there in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said one way to be great in the kingdom of heaven is to teach and to do. Teach what? Teach the word of God and to do the word of God. Philippians 4 9 says the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me these do and the God of peace will be with you so just think of that Paul said I've taught you I've sat as an example walked as an example before you do these things that you saw in me do these things that you heard from me and the God of peace will be with you that's how it should be for us verse 20 For if our righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees, they really strive to do the letter of the law. They tried to keep the commandments to the detail, so much so that when they had spices, they would count out the percentage of the spice and donate the spice to the Lord. They were striving to keep the letter of the law, but they lost the true intent of the law in their hearts. <clears throat> Did good for a while. <clears throat> it's all right, I'm going to be quiet until Wednesday, and then we'll do it again. Matthew 23 Jesus exposed the deeds of the scribes and the Pharisees who were looked upon by the common people of Israel as people who were men of God they were considered by the people of Israel of something special because they sat in the seat of moses they taught the word of god but jesus declared eight woes against them in matthew 23 called them hypocrites seven times in fact jesus said because they sit in the seat of moses do whatever they tell you to do matthew 23:3. observe and do but do not do according to the works for they say and they do not do they taught but they did not walk the walk that they taught before others. So Jesus said, do not do the things that they, they do, but do obey the words that they teach. Because they were teaching the truth of God's word. They just didn't live up to it. We need to do both. We need to not only come under the word of God in our lives as individuals, but live according to the word of God. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus, when he spoke about righteousness in the Sermon on the Mounts, he did so all in chapter 5. In verse 6, he said that we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. In verse 10, we learn that we'll be persecuted for righteousness' sake. In verse 20, our righteousness is to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Verse 25 that God makes His Son rise on the just and the unjust alike, and we could either easily say the righteous and the unrighteous alike. When it speak about righteousness, it's not our righteousness that we're to hunger and thirst for. It's not our righteousness that should result in our persecution. It's not our righteousness that should exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. We must hunger and thirst for God's righteousness we have to seek after the righteousness of Christ which will possibly result in persecution it is only his righteousness that exceeds all others in Romans 3 21 and 22 it says but now the righteousness of God apart from the law, is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ that is what we are to seek and may we walk in such righteousness and finally to be reconciled with God and others in verses 21 through 20 or 48 Jesus goes on to teach about having righteousness that leads to the per- perfecting of our hearts and so we're only going to touch on a portion of this right now Maybe. maybe Wow 21 through 22 it says you have heard of old you shall not murder whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment I say to you who is ever angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire so exodus 2013 and the commandment that says you shall not murder you shall not kill the sixth commandment and as believers in Jesus Christ we are to hold to the sanctity of life God has given us a right of self-government, and we're to punish those who commit such murders, Uh, whether a murderer, a thief, a perjurer, a rapist, laws uh, have been formed to come against such people, such crimes to protect the innocent, to curb the lawlessness, and to perhaps to reform the guilty. Although many in our society and leadership today in the United States would disagree with that, they feel that we need to empty our prisons and life would be better. But it's not proving to be so. Laws are given for a reason. Yet to become angry with someone is not necessarily a wrong. Jesus said if you become angry with someone without reason, we can get angry. Ephesians four twenty six. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So there is such as a righteous anger. But if you let things fester, it can become unrighteous. So here we have Jesus not giving three different judgments. It's really one judgment. It's very similar to the Proverbs. In the Proverbs, you'll have a proverbial statement that uh, Solomon will build upon the statement. He's basically saying the same thing in three or four different ways. He's just building upon it. In verse 22, that's kind of what Jesus did. If he's angry with his brother, he's in danger of the judgment in the first way. If he says, Raka, he's in danger of the council the second way. If he says, you fool, in danger of hell fire the third way. Saying the same thing, just building uh, three things to get the force of the point across here in our text. Though there is such a thing as a righteous anger, most of us our anger is not justified. It's not righteous. Sometimes it's caused of selfishness. And if anger is left unchecked, we're in danger of the devil taking a foothold in our lives. Ephesians four twenty six. This is why it's important to get context. Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse twenty seven nor give place to the devil let's finish the whole thing now verse 27 don't give place to the devil but it's directly tied with that of anger so don't let the Sun go down on your wrath be angry do not sin don't let the Sun go down in your wrath if you do you will give place to the devil so whether talking about murder anger calling someone a, a blockhead or a fool these things are issues often of an unregenerated heart. And the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17:9 and 10, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then it goes, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. I give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings only jesus can purge and restore our sinful hearts ezekiel 36 26 and 27 the lord says i give you a new heart i put a new spirit within you i take out the heart of stone and i give you a heart of flesh i put my spirit within you i cause you to walk in my statutes you will keep my judgments and do them how do we keep and do it's because of the work of jesus christ in our lives only through a regenerated heart are we able to please god first thessalonians 4 1 and 2 finally brethren we urge you i exhort you in the lord jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please god for you know what commandments we gave you through the lord how you should abound more and more. We should be getting brighter and brighter, a little saltier and saltier, but being that preserving influence in our world, that flavor in our world. And it has to do with our worship with God, and we close out in verses 23 through 26, in our worship with God, and also our relationship with others. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and remember your brother has something against you, leave your gifts before the altar, go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, unless your adversary deliver you to be judged. The judge? Okay. Lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you're thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say, I say to you that you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. So seeking forgiveness, I find this interesting, because Jesus said if you bring a gift to the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, There's something that hasn't been reconciled. Jesus said, leave the gift there and first go be reconciled with your brother, then come. (coughs) Then it teaches us that our worship is not to be merely vertical, but horizontal as well. We need to settle matters without going to the earthly courts, if possible, as believers in Jesus Christ. And we learn of this in Proverbs 25, 8 through 10, also 1 Corinthians 6, 5 through 6. We're basically both say that we should settle the issue between one another. It reminds us of Jesus saying, if you have something against your brother, go to that brother one-on-one. That's where it should begin. Unlike daytime TV shows or maybe uh, social media that's not where you're to air out your disagreements with others just stay away from that stuff it does no earthly good second we should strive to settle matters of faith uh, before we face the judge of all the earth while we live on this earth we are given opportunity to make peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ and also to live at peace with others who are around us if we choose not to make peace with Christ we will one day find ourselves standing before the judge of the whole earth and there his judgment will be just and it will be true finally we're to have a right relationship with God we have to strive to have right relationships with others so having that right relationship with God it really necessitates how we uh, conduct ourselves before others Ephesians 4:32. be kind-hearted to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you and may it be that the worship of Christ in our lives would be both vertical and horizontal so the scribes and the Pharisees they tried to follow the letter of the law but they didn't allow the Word of God to enact an inward change in their lives their hearts were not changed We are to live by a higher standard. These laws are to impact not only our hearts, but our lives, how we walk and conduct ourselves in this world. But that only begins through faith in Jesus Christ. You can strive to live by the letter of the word of God. It's like, I'm going to do what the word tells me to do. But if you never receive Jesus Christ as your savior, You are just like the scribes and the Pharisees. The Bible tells us, unless you exceed that, that's what they did. Don't be a scribe. Don't be a Pharisee. Be more than that. Let Jesus impact your hearts. And so, Father, we thank you for your word that you have given us this day. As we close out, Lord, this time of worship in song, I pray, Lord, that you would bless us as we wait upon you this morning. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.